Good morning, Nashville. My name is Braden Gall, and this is the 444 Wednesday, April 14th. Today on the show, Trey Wallace of Rocky Top Insider will give us a big breakdown of the open scrimmage from Rocky Top this past weekend. I have a very honest question that I do not know the answer to about a professional sports team in the state of Tennessee, but we begin with the Nashville Predators' first game post-trade deadline against the Tampa Bay Lightning. Of course, we are brought to you by our great friends, the Kingston Group, a locally owned award-winning custom home and remodeling firm. The Kingston Group, they're all about making your home make you money. They're all about making your home make you happy. So when you're finally ready to make that big decision to do a renovation on your home, to add some value and some happiness to your life, make sure you call the Kingston Group. Check out the website for all their work. All the evidence is right there in front of you. Let the scoreboard do the talking. BuildKG.com is the website. Check it out, the Kingston Group at BuildKG.com. Well, the Nashville Predators took all of that criticism about being buyers at the deadline instead of sellers and told people like me to suck it. After just three wins in their first 17 tries against the best three teams in the Central Division, Nashville torched what many believe is the best team in the division. The Predators beat the Lightning 7-2 on Tuesday night at home to begin the playoff push in a big way. And they did it without Philip Forsberg, Matt Duchesne, Ellie Tolvanen, Dante Fabro, and a few other starters as well. The Preds have now won 13 out of 16 games. UC Saros was once again extremely good. Victor Arvidsson, Roman Yossi, and Colton Sissons scored a trio of first-period goals, and the Predators never looked back. As I said, the Preds were technically buyers and not sellers at Monday's NHL trade deadline, which was a puzzling move considering the Preds' postseason upside, or lack thereof. But the early returns on Tuesday night were extremely positive. Clearly, this team has found something which is important because David Poyle didn't decide to build for the future, and the schedule's about to get much harder. There are only 12 games left in the regular season, and six of them will come against Carolina and Florida, with three more coming against Chicago and one against Dallas, two teams that are directly behind the Predators in the division standings. Next up are two of those huge games, with the Carolina Hurricanes in Raleigh on Thursday and Saturday of this week. The Tennessee Volunteers had a scrimmage, open scrimmage, over the weekend, and we have not yet covered it. And so I thought I'd bring in Trey Wallace of Rocky Top Insider to give us some insight on a number of things. The defensive strategy under new defensive coordinator Tim Banks, where the expectations for this team should be in 2021. But we begin with what were his biggest takeaways from the open scrimmage over the weekend? I I think the biggest thing was how much the offense is ahead of the defense right now. I think going back to last Thursday scrimmage when it was closed, uh, but I've been told that, you know, the defense, okay, the defense started off pretty well, but then the offense got in a rhythm that was all about rushing the football um, and, and getting passes downfield, kind of extending the defense in the secondary. On Saturday, you know, it was different. I, I think they were going to do things that were going to show off to the 500 to 1,000 people that were there uh, in the stadium, but I think the biggest thing was you saw what Tennessee was able to do to the defensive line in the run game. Numerous times were T. Hodge, D. Beckwith, Marcus Pierce, uh, Jabari Small really didn't do anything uh, in the scrimmage, but they were just rushing the football and then getting outside the pocket. Some quarterbacks were making some throws on the run, and they were doing those situational plays. But you know, it was all about getting up to the line five seconds and go. Um, and look, the defense did not look good. Uh, defensive line was struggling. They're still learning technique, trying to get stuff out of their brains. It was taught to them. Um, but Rodney Garner has been up them, and they've got the depth to the defensive line. That's the biggest thing. 
problem for Tennessee right now is they got nobody at the linebacker spot. Morvin Joseph still trying to learn the the, the spot. Solomon Page, hit or miss, okay, but they're missing those guys. You know, before the Aaron Beasley thing happened, you know, Beasley was having a really good spring in talking with folks at that linebacker position. So when you don't have Jeremy Banks out there, uh, when you don't have Roman Harrison out there and you're playing Tyler Barron off the defensive end spot, outside linebacker, you know, things didn't go the way the defense had planned. I think the secondary played well. But overall, when you look at it, it was interesting to see how much the push the offensive line was getting on that D-line. How would you describe Tim Banks, the defensive coordinator, his his philosophy, his belief system on how to play defense? Schematically trying to put in three different types of defenses in one. I think I think what you're going to see for most of the season is Tennessee running a two linebacker set. I think that's I think that's a smart play. If you have to drift somebody back, that's fine. If you'll put Bryson Eason or Tyler Barron, have somebody flow back, that's cool. But I think you're going to see a lot of that two linebacker set. Maybe they throw in three, but you got to find me that third linebacker. When you, when you look at what Tim Banks is doing, I think the secondary is in a good spot for Tennessee. I think they've got a two deep. But in in that situation, you know, when they're running that nickel or that dime formation, okay, well. Who are we going to put in at the star position? Is it going to be Theo Jackson and whatnot? I think – or Nico Slaughter is another player. I think that's what's key for Tennessee right now is trying to figure out what that one-to-two depth is going to be like in the secondary, which I think they have playmakers. And then when you turn that around, okay, what do we have to do on the defensive line and the linebacker unit to be able to put pressure on the quarterback and force it? Because you all know this. I mean, this, this defensive line unit or linebacker, they could be on the field – within two minutes of being off the field. And that's going to be key. And if there's one thing that you look at with this defensive unit and them having to go up against this offensive unit in spring and in fall camp, they're building up their endurance. That, <laughs> that's that's one thing. Um, but, but I think that when you look at what Tim Bakes is trying to do, I've heard nothing but good things about working with Martinez and, and Brian Jean Mary, who's trying to build up that group, um, and, and Rodney Garner. So – I would schematically look at different things. I don't know how much they're going to run a 3-4 because I don't think they had that set. But if you want to try to run that 4-2, something along those lines, hopefully Tennessee can find some some folks to fit that in there. Uh, obviously, it's very, very early, but preseason magazines will come out in the next month or so. And if ten, if I were to say to you that Vanderbilt, South Carolina, and Tennessee were the three worst teams in the SEC in 2021, what would your reaction be? Not not really surprised. I'll be honest with you. There, there's been so much attrition. There's been so much bad foot. I don't want to say bad football technique, but there's been just so much put in these kids' heads over the last three years. And then when the amount of the players that they did lose to attrition, what you're trying to do on the defensive line when you don't have that monster, it doesn't surprise me because you don't know what to expect out of the offense. You know, you you think they're going to go score 30, 40, 45 points a game. Okay, well, what's your defense going to do? You know, how much is your de- – is it going to be like Ole Miss where the defense has given up 40 points a game where Ole Miss, you know, their offense is – okay, yeah, we score 45 to 50 points a game, but we're getting beat because of our defense is getting let off the field. So, I, I that doesn't surprise me one bit. I honestly think Vanderbilt's got a better quarterback on their campus right now than Tennessee does at the moment. Not surprising. I mean, it, it's really not. Tennessee should have gone after Seals in the offseason. That's that should have been the plan. <laughs> Just go take <laughs> Vanderbilt's quarterback. I love it. Just go take the uh, quarterback. Yeah. Great. Always a pleasure, man. Thank you, buddy. Thank you, buddy.
That was Trey Wallace of Rocky Top Insider. We do appreciate his time. I am working currently on putting together the magazine for Athlon Sports and Predictions. And right now, Vanderbilt is the worst team in the SEC. South Carolina is probably the second worst team in the SEC. And the debate for third worst team in the SEC is right now between Tennessee and probably Arkansas. Not good news for Tennessee fans. And it doesn't sound like Trey is all that shocked that that might be the case. It still might be a bowl team, albeit unlikely, but right now, on paper, Tennessee is one of the three worst teams in the SEC, and that's not good news heading into the summer. I mean, at least the baseball team is awesome this year and has a huge series with Vanderbilt coming up this weekend, so at least there's that to look forward to right now. I have sort of a strange question to ask you folks that listen to this show routinely, you Nashvillians out there, and please do not hesitate to respond. Reply to me at Braden Gall on Twitter, wherever, however you can get a hold of me. The Memphis Grizzlies are two games over 500. They're in eighth place in a loaded Western Conference. They haven't had one of their best two players all season long in Jaron Jackson. They have one of the best rising young stars in the NBA in John Morant. They are in the state of Tennessee. They play a fun brand of basketball, and yet it feels like the city of Nashville simply doesn't care. Maybe I'm wrong. Tell me I'm wrong. The NBA is super popular. We love talking about the NBA in this town. Why do we not gravitate towards the Memphis Grizzlies. I know there's a Nashville-Memphis rivalry that runs really deep and is very, very old, but at the same time, this is a professional sports team in our state that is competing for a playoff spot with a lot of likability. I simply do not understand why we as a market, why we as a city are, are not more interested, not more inclined to watch and consume Memphis Grizzlies products. I know that they are not exactly reaching out to the city of Nashville to try to build their brand here, which may be part of the problem. But again, I would ask the same question of them. Why not? I simply do not understand. Tell me why you do not like Memphis Grizzlies basketball, or tell me why you hate the city of Memphis at Braden Gall on Twitter. Please enlighten me. I don't understand. Thank you guys all for listening. Of course, my name is Braden Gall. You can follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall at 440 Sports on Twitter and Facebook. Please follow there as well at 440 Media on Instagram. And of course, give our great sponsors the kingston group a follow on the social platforms as well as check out the website buildkg.com all the evidence is right there to see their work they are nashville's award-winning custom home and remodeling firm that's locally owned of course their work is all over the website it is fantastic go check it out it's real and spectacular buildkg.com the 440 is a production of 440 media written and produced by Braden gall music by william tyler